This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. What's up, everybody? It is Mr. Adam X, your host of the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Uh, I'm recording outside at a hotel lobby in Austin, Texas, so I apologize for this intro if it has any blips or bloops or car horns, because, you know, I don't have a mobile studio, so I wish I did, but I don't. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now, and it's very important, and I don't want to get political, but this stuff matters, so it's time to care, it's time to speak up and be vocal about things that matter to you, to your loved ones, to your friends, your family, and also, you know, I... I don't really, I don't want to get too personal, but I had a loss this week and hug your friends. Uh, I don't mean this to be a bummer. Uh, Just hug your friends. It's that simple. Call your friends, get rid of your grudges and just call your friends, hug your family because life is short. So enjoy every single second of it because you don't know when it'll end. Uh, I didn't mean this to be a downer, and it's definitely not, because my friend lived a phenomenal life, and I met him later in life, and I just want to thank Dave for every second and conversation that that man had with me, because, you know, you don't know who's going to make an impact on your life. Anyway, not to be a downer. Everything else is rad. Life rules. We have a phenomenal episode this week. Before we get into the episode, always have to give a shout out to my sponsors. We have two this week, and let's talk about the first one, Rumple. Rumple blankets, you guys know them. There are a lot of blanket options on the market, but the difference between all the other companies and Rumple is their dedication to sustainability. They are taking plastic bottles. I know you had a lot of plastic bottles this week. We're trying, but we use them. And they're turning them into blankets. They're turning them into products. Uh, They make a towel, which is fantastic, extremely packable. Their blankets are waterproof, durable, cozy, made with technical materials that premium and outdoor gear are made of. I really can't, like, my favorite thing about the Rumple is I take it on camping trips. And I know I'm in a van, so I'm always kind of camping. But I take them on camping trips, and I sit with them by the campfire. And then I bring it into my bed or onto my chair, which would be my couch for most of you. But what I'm saying is you can use it. It's an everyday blanket. It doesn't just have to be for camping. Go check out Rumple. Rumple.com, R-U-M. PL.com. Use code out of bounds, all capitals, all one word, out of bounds for 15% off your purchase. And now for my second ad this week, they are a new partner. They are working with myself and John Kroom, and that's thefeed.com. And what I want to talk to you about is Kyoku. It is a breakfast shake for athletes and I'm gonna say not just for athletes but for everybody and because I'm not an athlete but I do like to do athletic things the ingredients are hand-picked for athletes Uh, they don't just throw a bunch of ingredients in there and make a special cocktail it uses 16 superfoods to give you the highest efficiency of every ingredient It really is a breakfast shake for athletes. It's got greens, it's got black pepper, beetroot, turmeric for recovery, apple tart cherry. It's gluten-free and vegan. And here's my favorite part about Kyoku. It doesn't taste like grass. I've tried it with water and almond milk. I prefer it with almond milk, but you can try your own, you know, cocktail. It's... It's phenomenal. Kyoku, check them out. It's easily digestible, plant-based, 16 superfoods. Doesn't taste like grass. It's really solved the breakfast 
dilemma. So here's the best part of all of this. Over here at The Pursuit Podcast, in collaboration with The Feed, we are giving you free Kyoku. You can try it for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Go to thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. That's thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit. And you can try this for absolutely free. You pay $5 shipping. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that. There are no strings attached. And you get to try it for free. So instead of just listening to me talk about it, you can physically try it for free. Name another podcast that's giving you free stuff over here, like we are doing over here at The Pursuit. Again, thefeed.com forward slash The Pursuit. That will lead you to my landing page. You can get some Kyoku. You can try it. Let me know what you think. It's fantastic. And I've always had an issue with breakfast, so it's really helped solve that issue. And now for our favorite part of the episode, 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 where I talk about our guest and who I have on this week. I have Lindsay Richter. She is founder, creator, coach of Ladies All Ride, which is inspiring women to face their fears, gain skills, and have fun on a mountain bike. It was established in 2010. Lindsay and I have a mutual friend. So that was our connection. Blair, thank you for making the connection. I ran into Lindsay at Sea Honor. We had an instant connection. A week later, I asked her to be on the show. Absolutely. The best part about this interview is we're both in vans. So you might hear some horns. You might actually hear some horns in this intro because I'm in a hotel lobby parking lot right now. Anyway, Lindsay was also on Survivor. And she was featured in an Eminem music video. So we talk about all that and we talk about the struggles in life and the things you go through that lead you to where you are and what you're doing at this very moment. So... Lindsay, thank you for having a conversation with me. Thank you for opening up to me. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Lindsay also has a book. And it's a children's book. I just bought it. Uh, I'm going to have to have my niece read it to me because clearly I'm not the best reader on the planet. But she has a book. I will put the link in the bio. I believe the book is called Etiquette is a Big Word. But I'll put the link in the bio. Support your friends. Support people doing rad stuff. Support Lindsay. Okay, here's the episode. Um, hi, my name is Lindsay Richter. And I'm a professional mountain biker who runs a series of mountain bike skills camps called the Live Ladies All Ride Mountain Bike Skills Camps. And we're powered by SRAM. And uh, basically, I, in a nutshell, I call myself the director of inspiration. I'm the founder and the brains behind the operation, but I have an amazing team of women who help run these events. Um, and my job is to help really teach women not only how to ride, but the symmetry between mountain bikes and life. And our, our, I guess our main goal is to not only get more women to participate in the sport of mountain biking, but to also help them see uh, the life-changing power of the sport and what it can do for their lives. I can tell you're professional because you've already name-dropped like four brands that you work with. That's how <laughs> good you are at being a professional. Only two. I know, but... <laughs> But it's, it's, I think it's important, obviously, and sponsors make the world go around and they let us like fulfill and live out our dreams. But what was the inspiration for this? Do you call it a camp? Do we call it, is that that easiest way? Yeah, we call them, we call them skills camps because honestly, the feedback we get from women is they feel like it's, they're turning into a kid again, going to summer camp. They're going to a weekend to improve their skills in mountain biking, but to also share it with other like-minded women who they hopefully are meeting for the first time and making new friends. I mean, the, the real goal is to grow the community of women who mountain bike. Uh, I have a long history, 20 years in the bike industry, about 12 of those years spent traveling around to races. And really at the time, racing was the only way to meet other mountain bikers, go to a race and you'll meet more people who ride. There weren't there weren't a lot of trails back when I started in the 90s. Um, and so I'd have to go to these races. And over time, 
I just wanted to find people who wanted to ride for fun. But finding women to ride during an era where the sport was was fairly new and being marketed as an extreme action sport, you know, it just it wasn't in just the the regular sport category. It was in the extreme sport category. And I just really through my years of marketing and PR in the bike industry, I I saw this need to promote the sport in a different way. Like, why don't we actually talk about the emotional component to mountain biking? It's scary. It evokes emotion. It brings out sides to people they've never even knew existed, whether it be temper tantrums, blaming your bike or blaming the people you're riding with. Mountain biking is a power, powerful sport that can bring out a lot of personality in people. Um, and so really, that's why I wanted to get behind this sport and promote it in a way that helps people see it's so much more than a sport. It's challenging and you have to learn to get up when you fall and persevere and change your thoughts from negative fear-based thoughts to positive thoughts. I mean, the list goes on uh, of the symmetry between bikes and life. And so really that was my ultimate reason for starting a series of mountain bike skills camps was to help people see this sport can change your life more than just help you stay fit and active and get outside. It, it can really change the way you think and the way you see yourself. Yeah. And I think, and you hit the nail on the head, but there's so much more to like mountain biking or skiing than just the physical fitness. Like I joked, I made a tweet last week or I don't know, whenever I was doing my taxes that I like wrote, you make like, tweet. yeah, I make tweet, but like <laughs> that I said, like my, my accountant was like, what is this $10,000 like buy? And I was like, Oh, that's a mental health machine, which is just my mountain bike. But it's like, I don't think, and maybe we're starting to realize, but like how helpful that is in our daily lives, not even the fitness part, but like the mental, the confidence that like, if I can climb this hill, I can climb maybe this hill at work or like, and it sounds kind of cliche or corny, but it's true. And it's just like this, uh, you know, when I'm with my friends, I don't know, at work, I mean, I don't have a nine to five, but when I did, we weren't like encouraging each other. And then when with, I'm with that same group of humans and we're on the mountain bike trails or we are skiing snow, we encourage each other. We like, and it's so, it's so, and maybe it's like a recent epiphany for me that it's been like, oh, this is important to me more than fitness. Yeah, it's very bonding. It's sharing experiences in the outdoors, um, whether it be mountain biking or skiing or rock climbing or what have you, these experiences tend to challenge us and push us in a way that we wouldn't really maybe push ourselves in a gym or <clears throat> playing team sports growing up, right? There's this camaraderie that happens when you all know you're suffering together up this climb and you all know that it hurts and whether it hurts more for you or more for me is, is irrelevant. You know, it's, I'm going to push myself till it hurts probably just as much as it hurts for you, no matter what pace we're both going. And when we get to the top, there's going to be an element of wanting to celebrate because we both know that it was hard and that we pushed through and there's just something really powerful especially, I don't mean to split the sexes, but especially for women who I think we all grew up in an era, you know, I'm in my late 40s. So, oh, be careful. Oh, that's what the boys do. Um, and, and now, since I've coached all over the world, including Nepal, there's women out there who are still told you need to marry when you're 13, do what your family says. And a sport like these outdoor sports really show women this strength and independence that I think many of us didn't grow up knowing we had. And so beyond the sport, the fitness and the making friends, there is this camaraderie with other people that I feel like you also start cheering yourself on. And I think a lot of us have been missing that. Like it's one thing to have friends and go explore the outdoors and have this great camaraderie with others. But there's also this sense of needing to fend for yourself. I'm the only one who can get my bike up this hill while I'm doing it with friends and we're going to celebrate and have this great bonding experience. I'm still in charge of my own bike and getting my ass up to the top, whether I puke or not. And there's something really magical about that, that that transforms from not only this team building sport, but also this sense of self that I think people need in the world. So 
yeah, it may sound cliche, but people like us know that getting comfortable being uncomfortable and getting through it is something sport can teach you in a really fun and engaging way that really translates into the rest of our lives. And I think it teaches like accountability in like the easiest form of like, I'm riding with my friends and like, I am counting on them to like get up that hill as well. And you know that like, if you're doing, you know, we go on a big bike trip back, bike packing trip every year and like, it's a shit show every year, but like we all try to like kind of come together and be somewhat in shape because we know that we have a goal to do like every day as far as miles. So like I'm not at whoever's house saying, Hey, did you ride your bike today? Because we have to do a hundred miles a day in a week. <laughs> like, so it makes that like accountable and just continuing to be, I mean, true to self, but it's just like, I love the, the accountability factor that comes with it all. And I, it's all like these recent epiphanies that I'm, by having these conversations that it's so much more than the physical, but I want to ask, how was the reception when you, how long, one, how long is the camps? How long have they been going on? You know, I started coaching full time in about 2011. And then I started running a couple of camps with a friend in 2013 and 2014, we dabbled with one the first year, four the second year. And then by 2015 is when sponsors started to take notice. And I started to realize in order for me to bring this product around the country to people, to their areas, I'm going to need some sponsorship dollars behind me. So 2015 was really the official launch of a full series around the country of ladies all ride skills camps. Um, so yeah, this is going into our really our eighth year of ladies all ride, but my 10th year of running what, these, these crazy circuses was the reception. And I mean, from like brands and I guess I'll say from like, you know, this isn't like a, we're not, man bashing here but like is it like <laughs> it's a it was it's a male driven sport especially when you started like it, as you said like it's there's people in different countries who are told that they have to be in the kitchen and they have to like so it's a male dominated sport were brands willing and like and it was 2015 it's not like but even when you got on a mountain bike was it like you don't belong here or were you the only girl at the races getting you know i got first place out of one like too. what, yeah. like, what did yeah. it look like? How did it feel? Cause now we see it, we see these, and I don't want to date you, but like younger athletes who like, you guys paved the way you showed up and like on a male bike made for males made like with no female category. And I guess we're just backtracking a lot, but like what made you want to keep riding a bike and going, cause it couldn't have been easy. It had to suck it was mostly men for sure. I mean, I started racing in the mid nineties, you know, we were still wearing toe clips. Um, so yeah, I think honestly, my background, even getting into mountain biking, I, st I was an athlete in high school, you know, I played your team sports and I really excelled at track and field. And when I went to college, I chose to focus on other things, partying and school, um, and didn't play sports. But, you know, I come from that generation. I graduated high school in 92. So I'm of that generation where we weren't learning about the importance of moving our bodies, right? We were just playing sports. And if we were good at them, then that's what we did. We played sports. We trained for our sports. Nobody taught me how to stay active on the daily as part of a physical and mental health regime, right? That wasn't talked about. So I went to college already suffering from depression, uh, really low self-esteem because suddenly I went from being somebody because I was an athlete to being nobody. Right. And then losing my fitness and that the, it was so important for me to move with the energy I have. I'm a super tightly wound human, but no one taught me that. So I took out all that energy in partying and not getting along with women in my sorority and just like not having the best college experience. So when I graduated from college, I went straight into the working world and was pretty, pretty stoked on finding a career path in marketing and advertising and PR. Um, 
but I had no fitness, you know, size, bigger clothes that I'd never thought about trying on were not fitting me. And I didn't understand why I felt such low self-esteem. And when I decided to try mountain biking, I went straight into racing because I was like, I took a spin class. I think that's what did it. I took a spin class in probably 96 and was like, oh, I'm going to try mountain bike racing because that'll <laughs> force me to work for something, right? I'll go to these spin classes in between, you know, in my lunch break, and then I'll go race my bike on the weekends and I'll have a goal. So I think ultimately that's what got me into mountain biking was I needed a goal to, to get my fitness back or to really at that time fulfill that competitiveness in me that I wasn't channeling in a positive way. So once I got out there and started racing, regardless of the fact that there were probably four women and hardly any female cate women's categories, the way it made me feel, the way it kind of brought me back to life and gave me something to focus on with fitness, it all started making sense to me. My brain started feeling better. I was coming out of what I felt like was a dark early 20s depression. I was getting my body back, my fitness back. I was starting to understand the importance of feeling strong physically. In so if we did drop... <laughs> We're back. Right. We're both recording. We're, we're both recording in vans because we're we're not posers. We live this life. <laughs> we definitely live this life. Yeah. Sometimes it's sad. There was Sometimes six inches of snow here this morning. I'm like, what? Where are you? Are you in Utah? No, I'm in um like Bradford, Pennsylvania right now, which is like oh. Buffalo, New York, basically. Wow. Like okay, okay. Yeah, no, I I was in Utah last week or last. I don't know. I've been on the road for a long time, but Buffalo is home <laughs> and I'm I have like a permanent campsite like 40 miles from Buffalo. So I'm I'm here right now because it. it's I love peaceful. It. So I think we're back. I believe we're okay. good again. I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. So we should be good. OK, well, we can try it. We should be good. Do it, our best. Yeah, that's all we can. Um, do. I think I was just talking about uh, racing. Yes. And how I got into racing because I needed I needed to learn how to get my fitness back. And I thought racing mountain bikes sounds like a really fun way to be able to go to spin class during my lunch break and and have something to look forward to on the weekends. And once I started racing, regardless of the fact that there weren't a lot of women, there were enough that I bonded with the few women that were at the races and more than finding my fitness again and finding a way to, to channel all this energy I had, I found where I fit in. And I really feel like I was one of those people who just wasn't really sure where I fit in. College didn't really do it for me. And uh, the working world, I felt like I had a lot more energy than everyone else in my ad agency. And once I found mountain bikers, I was like, oh, these are my people. Which is like insane though. Cause in the early 90s, mountain bikes sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were there horrible. There was a reason. Like, why did you decide to pick up a bike and want to go ride dirt trails on it? There is a draw there that attracted many of us to this phenomena. And there's a reason for it, right? There's something about riding bikes in the woods that's freaking fun. Oh, it's the best. But, like, mountain bikes in the 90s were so bad and they thought they were so good and like i wonder if we're gonna have that because bikes are so good right now right like oh yeah they're insane but like in 15 years are we gonna be like those are garbage like yeah it's totally. crazy to think i just think they're gonna go back to exactly what they were like we're all gonna be running 26 inch tires and like really bad cross-country frames like it's gonna be it's gonna be horrible <laughs> totally what do you well, what do you think you would be doing if you didn't found, find mountain biking? Oh, you know, I ask myself that question often. And I do like to tell a lot of people that I feel like mountain biking truly saved my life. I didn't know what to do with the energy I had. And dealing with depression and some mental health stuff, um, it, it was really confusing for me. And mountain biking uh, really helped me understand that thoughts can be changed. You know, you can't be thinking about smashing your face on that tree when you're riding down a hill and you can't be staring right at what you don't want to hit. And I really feel like the, these metaphors and what I learned from a bike is you, you legit can't stare at what you don't want to hit. You can't think 
how fucked up am I going to be if I smash my face on that? That just, you will do that. And so the way mountain biking has taught me to change my thoughts in order to survive um, has really translated into how I deal with life. And I honestly don't know where I'd be without mountain biking. I mean, I, I, because of racing, I found myself in the industry, right? I didn't really know. I, you don't wake up at 18 years old and go, I'm going to go to college to be in the bike industry, at least not in the nineties. You didn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was a nineties college graduate. I didn't know that there were things you could do that you invented. I grew up in that era of like, right. What do you right, want for sure. to be when you grow up a veterinarian or a doctor or a lawyer? There are jobs that, that have status. Right. And I think, I feel like we're this generation of, wait a second, a, I don't have to just have one job for the rest of my life. I can mix it up and try new things. No one told me that. And B, I can invent what I do for a living. What? Yeah, I can literally <laughs> make this up and like have a proof of, proof of concept and you can do it now, which is like, I mean, this podcast, I mean, I didn't create it, but like Adam Jabber was like, I'm going to have a podcast. And five years later, it's close to his full-time job now. And that's awesome. Like it's insane. We, I didn't grow up with that. I'm 47, you know. I grew up definitely thinking there are certain jobs. And getting into advertising and PR, I was 25 years old with an office that actually had a door. Like, that was unheard of in your 20s, right? Everyone else was in cubicles at Nike when I was in Portland, Oregon, in downtown in an ad office. And then suddenly I found myself on a reality TV show and everything changed. <laughs> I love that you brought it up. So you were on Survivor, which has like, so I Googled you a bunch because that's my due diligence. I have to Google people. I'm not a Survivor person. I don't it's know. Terrible. I didn't realize they were like, it's like a thing. Like I was in oh. like rabbit holes of like Reddit forums and like people voicing their opinions like they know you guys. And like, so... How do you get on Survivor? How does this thought even happen? You got to be a little crazy. Wow, that there's a train. I'm not sure if you can hear yeah, that. Yeah, it's fine. This okay. is this is like real. I love this natural so much. noises. Yeah, we're not in a studio. We're fly by wire. This is how we. I love this it. is how we operate. It's great. But like Survivor, um, what year is Survivor? Oh, I mean, it started in 2000. Okay. So I was on the third one ever in 2002 as a young 20-something. Um, sorry, hold on. It's all right. And, you know, I was in an advertising agency where dot-coms were most of our clients. This was the early 2000s. <laughs> so the dot-com boom was happening and it was real. And all of our clients were internet clients. And suddenly there was a crash. 2001.com boom crashed. And my PR department, we all got laid off. And the guy in the office next to me, who also had a door, um, <laughs> he actually handed me the application for Survivor. Um, I had mountain bike raced when I joined this agency. And that was kind of my thing as I'd come in on Mondays, like most likely with a limp, being really dramatic and making sure you could see the scabs on my legs. You'd be like, oh, yeah, a mountain bike race. You know, that's what I do <laughs> on the weekends. You know, thought it was so cool. And this guy was like, yeah, there's this reality TV show where they do weird challenges and stuff that look pretty physical, look right up your alley. And so honestly, I hadn't watched it either. I mean, I wasn't really into TV at that time. Um, advertising was still lots of like print ads, you know, buying ads in magazines. There was no digital ad space yet. The internet was new. Yeah, there's just like um, banners and like angel fire ads. Yeah. And so, I mean, I did a thing with Survivor as a promotional tour after the show for Real Player this online video player. Remember that? Like that's the era I was on Survivor. Real Player was just coming out and then Real Player won. So that's, I just applied because I was scared and didn't know what else to do with my time since advertising was taking a shit with the dot coms. And uh, <clears throat> I applied and I used my mountain bike as a way to make a video and had to use two VCRs plugged into each other to record the audition tape. And sent it in. I and love I this guess so much. I was just crazy enough. The, they definitely, the interview process is eight days of sequestered. You're sequestered in a hotel room for eight days and they grill you. 
And they definitely have a whiteboard in some back room where they're all pinning personalities that are going to naturally butt heads. And it's a psychological experiment on TV is what it is. So, and you don't have to answer any of these, but like, do you get paid? Yes. I made good money. I made like 50 grand in what, two months of being on the show and appearance fees and they dangle $10,000 in front of everybody to show up for the finale show. Like they definitely paid well back then. We got, we went on Letterman and Howard Stern and yeah, Regis and Kelly crazy. and Hollywood But that was and, like, and they pay you to go on all that. That was the survivor like boom. Like that was, was like survivor glory days. That was they the used mecca, us for one year. That was like the <laughs> Mecca of like, now there's so much reality TV and like, I think survivor still exists, doesn't it? In some capacity. Oh, yeah, they're on like, 45th season or something it's insane and I was but like three so yeah i never watched it again either are there any <laughs> secrets to it like what's the best part of being on survivor other than like okay we got paid and you got to have fun and you were young and like great but like what's the like you're not sleeping in hotels are you sleeping in hotels no i honestly think the best part for me personally was i went into it it was unknown. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't realize it was like a social manipulation show. I thought we were going to be like doing these athletic things. And if you did well, you won. Right. Once I got out there, I was like, what is this tribe has spoken bullshit. Um, but for me, it was just the whole experience. We were in Africa. We had to sleep on the ground amongst scorpions. It was really the first time in my life that I was thrown out of my comfort zone. No toothbrush, no real food. We had to eat like cornmeal and one can of food a day between eight people. We had to drink cow's blood right out of the cow's neck. That's how they get their nutrients. We got to learn a lot about the Maasai tribe culture in Kenya. Uh, we got to go on these tours with Maasai guides teaching us about the different footprints and the animals to look out for. Like I got to be in Africa and I got a magical experience out of it. So honestly, regardless of the show, I got voted off early enough that I got to go travel and it was freaking rad. <laughs> but you weren't, you weren't like a survivalist at this point. Like, no, you were Yeah. But you weren't, that wasn't like your MO. You weren't, you know, we see all the shows now and they have like, you know, I really like Bear grills. Yeah, but it's like, and I'm always like, he's fucking sleeping in a hotel, probably. Like, there's <laughs> right. no way. Like, no way would you do that and then not go take a shower or like for him. Like, he's loaded. He's in a different scenario. But it is, it was just a total different era. And I love that you said, and maybe you don't love it, but like, it was like psychological warfare. It had nothing to do with like surviving on an island it was just like can you be social enough that people like you because you just get voted right they just kind of oh, it's horrible yeah it's a total popularity contest and i do feel really lucky that i was i was on it early um and that that's the show i chose to go on uh instead of like the bachelor or something you know i feel really lucky and the challenges we had to do were legit rad they had like these um remember the gladiator games they had like those guys come yeah. out and make make the courses for us. So and it was hard. Like I ripped my face open. People were passing out, getting dehydrated. They were making us like run logs through sand and up an obstacle course. And I thought that shit was so fun. Like it was like <laughs> being a big kid on TV. Like give me another obstacle course and a bow and arrow. And that was sweet. <laughs> And then you literally had like a promo tour after this. Did you like, yeah. are you still mountain biking at the time? Are you like, what is your thought process after you get voted off? You probably hang in, in Africa for a bit. Cause you're going to go to the final show. Right. What is yeah. your thought after this? Like, are you going to be a reality TV star? Like you were on the cover of like, I want I have pictures actually. I think this is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops, yep. sorry, I'm going the wrong way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The sexiest survivors on totally. US Weekly. Yeah. You were on they call me the flirt. It's pretty funny. Yeah, like, it says the flirt in the corner. So fake. So fake. Oh, I was I the mean, brat. It's <laughs> it's part of it, right? But like cover of TV guide 
Is this yeah. is this factual? Look at my look at That's my googling. Factual. See, I have it. I have that TV guide. It's insane. That is, and that's why it was cool. I was I was on it when it was still fresh and new, and we were super naive. And and the question, what what did I think was going to happen afterwards? I moved to LA from Oregon specifically because we were getting opportunities that were paying us five to 10 grand a pop to go like sign autographs and go to this event and make an appearance and go to some birthday party with the whole cast. They're going to pay y'all five grand. Like who wouldn't as a 25 year old take advantage of making money, doing stupid shit for fans. Right. And so I lived in LA and did the whole audition thing, but I also raced my bike. And that's when I went to sea otter for the first time was I had just moved to LA and I was struggling with mental health because uh, LA is a horrible place to live, especially someone from Oregon who's rather friendly and real and down to earth. And now suddenly I'm in these audition rooms with everyone staring at me. It was like being back in college again for me, just that didn't feel like I fit in. Uh, so I went to Sea Otter kind of like three weeks after I moved to LA. I was like, I got to get out of here. And I went up to Monterey and I did Sea Otter. And then after that, I did a race at Big Bear. Um, and then that's when I ended up traveling the country for bikes. And when I got into the bike industry, I started meeting all these people who showed me there's a life in this. And I created a lifestyle out of it. I was van lifing since 2003, 34-foot RV. That is phenomenal. So did you, did you just live off pro career, pro wins? Did you work for the brands? How did it like... Because you can't stay top tier pro forever. Like we know that. No, uh, no. And I, that wasn't my story. I met and married a pro downhill racer. That's part of the story. Perfect. Um, Let him yeah, make the money. Let him take the risk. I didn't even know downhilling was a thing. I was introduced to it at these sport, at the those particular races, because the Oregon races were all cross country. I was like sport racer for life. I was never, I never had real goals to be a super pro but once i got introduced to him and started going around supporting him i became his manager and i managed all the marketing the pr all the press coverage all the booklets all the sponsorship proposals like that was all printing like powerpoint presentations printed out on paper walking around the trade shows selling this lifestyle um so i learned a lot from him about helping him turn from a racer to an ambassador and he grew up with meth heads and had this goal to help the younger generation see that mountain biking can change your life and that it doesn't matter how you were raised you can become whatever you want if you put the work in and that's honestly where i got all the experience and the knowledge that this sport is so much more than just a sport and that there are things i can do to pay it forward and to pay back this sport that i felt like gave me so much. And so we had multiple all ride tours. Um, we had the Fox all ride tour, the Santa Cruz all ride tour, the specialized all ride tour. Uh, we sponsored a kid's team, ran all over the country with a bunch of 15 year olds, 13 year olds, helped them race, helped them gain life experiences, taught them about the, the symmetry between bikes and life. And, um, then I started ladies all ride and, uh, it was a marriage that was unhealthy and it was time for me to do my own thing. And, Part of what I preach to women is uh, that we we can do things on our own. We can live this life without uh, being in an unhealthy relationship. And that was a really scary thing for me. 15 years of marriage and I got divorced. And I tell women that at the beginning of our camps, you know, I got divorced. I have the big D on my forehead and I thought that was going to ruin my life. I thought I was going to lose everything. I thought I was going to just be seen differently like a failure uh, and I, you know, my bike and the community of women I met through bikes over that period of time saved me. It showed me that I am capable of doing whatever I put my mind to and that only I can get my bike to the top of the hill. So it's it's part of the story. Yeah, it's I mean, it's crazy that to me that divorce is such a bad thing to people. Especially like, my age, you know, I got married in my 20s and divorced in my 40s and I'm a, I'm a 70s child so but that's just like people deserve to be happy in mm -hmm. every aspect of life and like we try so like you got to give everything like a valiant effort in anything any job any relationship 
but like sometimes things don't work and it should be a it should be like praised like it should be a good thing and supported and divorce is such this bad thing and we're not here to just talk about divorce but like it I, I'm not divorced but like it comes with this horrible thing and even I was talking I've been with my girlfriend last night told me We've been together for seven years. And I was like, seven fucking years? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, awesome. what? And she was like, how long do you think you'll be together? I was like, till we're not. Like, I don't know. Right? But right? like, let's, yeah. just, let's just keep having fun together. And if we don't, let's let's go do our own thing. And hopefully you're happy as shit and I'm happy as shit. Like, so it's, it's, uh, I'm so proud of people who do that. So like. Thank you for being open and telling your story about it. And we don't have to just talk about it. But I think it is important for people listening to hear of, like, you're not in a happy position with anything. It's not too late to change it and, like, find what makes you happy and do it. I think a big part of that is learning how to deal with the fear. You know, I was scared for a lot of years. Um, The unhealthy component was also frightening. Um, I was with someone who was raised by meth heads and learned how to treat people in a way that wasn't safe at times, you know, and there was a lot of fear behind losing the career path behind being able to be alone. A lot of people get caught up in becoming codependent, um, maybe financially, you know, even though I ran all the marketing, the paychecks were not coming in my name. And that was a big deal to me. And there was a lot of fear wrapped into that. And so, I think I'm so open and honest about it because I want more women to hear uh, that I was scared too. You know, I may seem courageous and brave because I do all this mountain biking and I preach all this, but I too had to find that side of me that faced that fear and kept the wheels rolling forward with confidence and without looking back. Um, And I think that's a lot of what holds people back is sure they're unhappy and they know they could potentially get out of it, but how do I face the fear and actually do it? Yeah, it's terrifying. And I can't speak to what you went through and nor will I pretend to, but I always look at it as like, you know, it might be like six months of six months of suffering for 20 years of happiness. And like, yeah, it's going to suck. Like there's down in anything like, but just like rip the bandaid off and like move forward. It's even, I had to call somebody and like tell them something. I didn't really want to tell them nothing major, but like, I was like, I don't fucking do this. And I just kept putting it off. And then I did it. And I was like, oh, it's so much nicer now. Like, this is just rip the Band-Aid off and move forward and just continue to move forward. And it's obviously never that easy. But it's, you know, you X years later and doing rad things and continuing. And now you get to share the story and tell, like, it's all part of the full circle of the story. It's it is. And it's people's, you know, it's, it's sharing your life story. I feel like is such a way to connect with people too. And we actually do that at our camps. We do a welcome circle and we, you know, keep it short. Each person talks for a minute or two, but we want to hear like what drew them to mountain biking. Cause like I said before, there is a pull for all of us who ride bikes in the dirt, in the woods, something in our brains one day said, I want to do that. You know, why? So we ask people, why did you start mountain biking? Whether somebody forced you into it or you had a pull to it, I want to know why. And I want to know what it's done for your life. Because some people don't even think about that until you you pose the question. And then when they really do think about it, it's like, it gets me outside. It keeps me feeling healthy. It gets me outside with my friends. It, I'm spending time with my friends right? Like I'm doing so many things by just doing this one activity. You know, I'm not exercising in the gym and then going to have wine with my friends and then going home to spend time with my family. You can do it all at once, right? And that's a beautiful thing about a lot of these sports is you're encompassing so many things just by doing the activity. You're creating community, you're creating a healthy habit, a healthy lifestyle, hopefully bringing a healthy lifestyle into your family or the people you surround yourself with. Um, I just, the power in this sport, especially for someone like me who's gone through divorce and was very codependent. I have this whole network of women now everywhere in the country that I can pull from that, that bring me strength. And I feel like this is my calling to, to be a voice for this sport that inspires other people to get involved and see the beauty in it and to see what it can do for their lives. 
it's cool to me that you you know you have this coaching i don't know if we call it coaching business or coach camps but it's so we think coach we think just like this is how you ride a bike this is how you and your element of it seems so much more was that a conscious thought when you were like thinking of becoming a coach and making these camps like or was it just it just a testament to who you are as a human being or because most coaches are like hey do this do that better or like try tapping your rear brake before you know whatever i don't know i suck at mountain biking so i can't coach anybody but like i'm really good at having fun so i can coach people on having fun but was it a conscious decision on like okay we're gonna do these things and we're gonna make it so much more than just riding a bike because 100 percent, yes i mean that's what i when i was doing the racing thing and promoting a pro racer and working the marketing and advertising side of of that of his career i was seeing what the ads were i I was seeing how mountain biking was being promoted it was like red bull rampage was the newest thing and it's like oh now mountain biking's being promoted as skid your way down a really steep line do a trick off some steep jump or over a canyon you know this is how mountain biking was being showcased and this is what was on the covers of magazines so i was very aware of how mountain biking was being presented to the world I was also asking women questions about why they didn't ride. And I was finding it was mostly emotional responses. The responses weren't, uh, oh, it looks too challenging. It looks too hard. It was, it's scary. It's frightening. It's dangerous, right? It's extreme. I don't think I need that in my life. I'm fine going to spin class. And so I really wanted women to hear no, it's so much more than that. It's the sport you should do because it's, challenging and can be a little scary because it it will show you sides of yourself that you might not know exist because a it's so much fun once you learn to do it well and and have good technique but b it's an incredibly powerful sport to be able to even say you do and so it was very conscientious when i started ladies all right i started ladies all right as a movement not even as like a camp series. I just was like, okay, ladies should all ride bikes. I'm just going to be a voice for that. So I don't know if you Googled my video, big balls, but that was my first attempt. <laughs> I did see this it. Is, you did see it. I saw, so, I didn't <laughs> click it. I saw it. Oh, you gotta watch. Big <laughs> I balls. will, but I gotta I, be I'll transparent. Send you the, the better link, but big balls. I made that video in 2010, you know, when I was still using a VHS recorder, there was hardly any online editing. Um, and that was an infomercial for balls that you put on your bike because I kept hearing women say, I don't have the balls for that sport. And at one point I was like, who says you need balls to be a good mountain biker? In fact, I'm going to make a video that shows balls are actually quite dangerous and they just get in the way and we have all the parts we need. And so I started this as a movement to be a voice to make mountain biking more accessible and welcoming for women first and foremost. And I knew I needed to do that through humor, kind of making fun of everyone thinking it's so extreme and that you need balls to do it. Uh, but I also wanted to be a voice for the power of the mental health component. It literally has changed my life. I have been on and off of antidepressants and medications my whole life. And I'm not anymore. I try to work on meditation and letting my mind help itself through this sport and so I want women to see just the many reasons why a sport like mountain biking is so powerful it goes way beyond just being a sport it's a lifestyle yeah I don't have anything to say to that because it's I don't disagree I don't I agree like a hundred percent agreement and like it's it's fascinating to me that it is so intimidating to some people and that's just my personality type like I don't I suck. I, I'm horrible at mountain biking. Like, <laughs> let's get together. I, can I help you, <laughs> but I don't care. Like, not, I don't right, mean that. Yeah. But like, just don't get hurt. <laughs> I ride all the time. I ride more than yeah. most people. I yeah. like. I can ride a bike. Great. I have fun. I have a billion dollar mountain bike under my bed over here. Like, <laughs> great. People are like that's a dentist bike. I was like, oh, I'm unemployed. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> jokes on you, dude. Like, but I love it. It's. It's so much fun. And I got, I last year, I really got back into it. And it's been like the greatest thing that has happened to like my mental. Like, I'm a huge skier, 
blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows that story. I ride dirt bikes four days a week. I still love riding dirt bikes. But, like, the mountain bike is, like, oh, after, like, 5 o'clock, I can just pop out on my bike and go for a quick ride. I can't do that on a dirt bike. Like, I don't need all day to enjoy it. And I also don't need to be good at it. Like, I'll right. always improve, right. and I'm I'm saying I'm worse than I am. I'm fine. But, like, I'm not hucking things. I don't, like, I, there's not there's not a jump on the planet that I can't ride around. Like, I'm <laughs> And fine. I think that's important to say, you know? I mean, that's what we tell women, is it, it can be as gnarly or not as gnarly as you choose for it to be. And it should be fun. The bottom line is it should be a really fun way to get outside, be with your friends, or go enjoy the peace and the solitude of nature by yourself. It's one of those activities that puts you right in the moment. You have to be present. You have to be aware of your surroundings and what you're doing. It's not like road biking where you can just kind of zone out and hope you don't get hit by a car, right? <laughs> you got to be alert. Yeah. There's rocks and there's roots and there's corners and there's dusty trails and there's other riders. And I think that's something that's so beautiful about it as well is how it just puts us in the moment and gives us this sense of presence. And I think it's really important to say you don't have to be great at it. You don't have to ride all the jumps or hit all the drops or do the things that those people you're comparing yourself to are doing. Like that doesn't have to exist. You can just make it whatever you want. And it's freaking fun. Yeah, I think. And that's always been like my my drive home. And especially like now that I have this this avenue, the podcast, people like I meet with people because I meet, you know, it's just like you, you, but you're a professional. That's the difference. But like you meet with people all over the country. I meet with them skiing. I meet with them biking. And they like think I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm just here for fun. Like, I don't need to do the gnarliest, meanest thing. Like, I just yeah. want to ride my bike so I can and I want to be able to get off it so I can ride it again tomorrow. Totally. And like, I'll yeah. keep progressing for me. And like, I want to get better. I want to do better. That's all awesome perfect but like people are so intimidated to just have fun and i'm like just like jess my girlfriend she's ridden dirt bikes her whole life so she knows how to like use a bike the only thing she didn't have when we started riding mountain bikes was fitness and i was like fitness is easy you just pedal like you, you just go. keep do you just go and then you get better and you get like you just gain fitness but like learning how to like actually handle a bike that's hard but you know how to do that i was like now all you have to do is just have fun and like we went to moab we were in moab three weeks ago and like i would like stop and be like oh like the typical boyfriend like oh shit she's gonna be pissed this is like and i look back and she's just like bah, 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 and just charges it and i was like like so i stopped stopping because that was just gonna throw her off her mental because if I'm stopping, she knows, like, oh, shit, he thinks I'm going to crash. <laughs> so, totally, totally. But what I realized is, like, and she's like, and I'm like, are you having fun? Yes. It's all that matters. Just keep going. Keep going. And, like, of course, I pushed it, and we did some gnarly, chunky shit, and it was a <laughs> domestic. But it was. It was great. I was like, I thought you could do it. I'm sorry. She'll listen oh, and be like, oh, I'm, God. I'm, doing, I'm dealing with the opposite right now. My dude, dirt bikes, and once, you know, has brought me out on a few dirt bike rides. And I'm just like, this is why I started Ladies All Right. You don't just take your girlfriend on a freaking ledge single track with the yeah. chunkiest chunk gnar and think it's just like mountain biking because it's not. It is. You just don't <laughs> have to like, pedal. Ah, you just throttle. And it's I'm the like, same. throttle shift break yeah it's getting it all is a lot <laughs> yeah, but it is yeah. the same though like the bait the foundation yeah. that you have is like so Body shifting <sighs> positioning waiting and unwaiting yeah like for you sure. know all but, of that now you just cool. have to like make up for like you know and jess is the same thing with like you know you know she pedal strikes all the time because she never right like you just that she just never comes, learned to time it yeah, yeah that just comes in time i still smash it like who cares you have fun yeah. that's all it's They're meant to yeah it doesn't matter but it's i think going from moto to mountain bike is an easier transition because when you already have the balance and the wherewithal to move around with a motor especially when it pulls away from you and you're going up something <laughs> steep and you have to shift your body weight forward a mountain bike seems so light and nimble and easy, but when you go mountain bike to moto, I feel like I'm on a whole different page here trying to figure out this machine and the whole like jump away from your bike when you fall, quit trying to save it. I'm like, whoa, that is ingrained in me to try to save no, my bike. Chuck that thing. <laughs> I tell all of my friends that when they like yep. <laughs> get back into dirt biking or like get a dirt bike. I'm like, just chuck it. Who cares? Yeah, like I says. can replace everything on that bike. 
I can't replace you. I cannot replace you. Like I can't. Like that thing will hurt you. I mean, mountain bikes hurt you too, but they're like you're like carbon. Ah, like you're like you're like skidding your elbow to like save your frame. I'm like, what are we doing? But advice to any male or female who's like intimidated from this sport, like what if you could tell them? I mean, there's not one thing you could tell them, but like if there's like a piece of advice that you can get that you've seen over your career in coaching professional, what is that one tidbit of advice? I mean, I just feel like what we just talked about first and foremost is that it, it should be fun. It's a sport that it should be fun. So to go into it with the expectations that you're going to gain a lot of things like fitness and balance and skill while you're having fun. Um, and that seems like a pretty cool way to, to get healthy and fit and create community and feel uh, connected to other people. Um, I just, I feel like it's, it's a big message. If you're intimidated, uh, there are so many things that come with it. And I think I want more people to know that and that there are ways to take lessons now, just like someone who wants to get into skiing, you just kind of naturally think, well, I should take a lesson before I go chuck myself down a hill on sticks, you know? Um, I'm hoping that more and more people think that way about mountain biking. Like it is something I can get into and I can take a lesson and I can learn to do it safely and I can learn about the trails that suit me. Um, but the overall message is that it's a really fun way to accomplish a lot of things. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's as easy as it gets. Go have fun right. and enjoy it and don't be intimidated. Take it just... too seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's just and life seek advice. out the trails that work for you. Yeah, it's life, right? We choose our challenges, right? It really is. Uh, I have to ask you, how did you end up in an Eminem music video? Clearly, it's from Survivor and being in L.A., but, like, what? That's so awesome. That's one of my, that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the whole thing. You know, when people do ask me, like, God, what, what's the best thing you got out of Survivor? I was like, oh, well... I got to hang out with Eminem and Dr. Dre for a day and Jenna Jameson. <laughs> um, they were casting and we just happened to be in LA and they wanted two survivor women to stand on a log of shit in the toilet and pretend we're playing a survivor challenge with M and M. And we were just on the set for 14 hours. We had our own trailer. It, they treated us so well. It was, we got treated as equally as the porn stars. <laughs> and uh it was crazy yeah they were super nice i have photos with eminem and dr dre just hanging out on set watching them shoot a couple scenes and then it was our turn and we shot it and it was another proud moment for me you know oh get the family together to watch the premiere of the eminem video that our daughter's in this is fun let's invite the neighbors over and make some snacks and Oh, oh, they're panning into a toilet. Oh, oh, perfect. Oh, she's standing on a log of shit in the toilet. Oh, oh. I told you I'd make it, Mom. Look at me now. Really doing it, Mom. I embarrassed you on Survivor. Now I'm standing on shit with Eminem. It was a controversial artist at the time. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm so proud I got to do that. And you know, CBS told us we couldn't do it. And my dad read the contract and was kind of like, they can't tell you you can't be in a music video. They're not even using your last name. Um, so I did it anyway, and CBS banned me from all future Survivor parties. <laughs> Worth it. We're, you'll get a call back soon. They're going to do like the 50-year anniversary. And they're right, gonna be like, right. Hey, we the need... rejected Survivors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it was great. It was super fun. I, I think it's just who you are as a human. Like, I don't know, you know, we've talked for an hour here, but it's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's try it. And that's like everything that's led you to exactly what you're doing and creating your own path and doing your own thing and spreading, like, I hate saying spreading the good word, but like you are, like you're cruising around in a sprinter with, I assume, a trailer full of bikes and you have five, six stops this summer for camps. 14. That's insane schedule. (laughs) One. That's too many. Um, 14 stops and... Like, how do people get involved? Do you need local coaches? Do you need, like, can people, like, are you accepting applications for, like, someone who just graduated college right now? Not me. Uh, um, But, like, a female (laughs) who's like, holy shit, I want to do this. Is that, 
Is there opportunities there? How do how does someone get involved with this? Yeah, I mean, as far as coaching goes, we are super lucky that I started this long enough ago that um, I was meeting a lot of pro riders in my travels uh, with my ex, and a lot of those pro riders wanted to become coaches. So they sort of helped me start the business, and they coached for me. And then students would come through and see this opportunity to potentially be involved and would just ask, how do I get involved with coaching? So we started a shadowing program where we let people come and volunteer and shadow our coaches. At this point, we have over 40 coaches around the country who've been coaching with us for a really long time, actually, many of them five years or more. Um, but we are always bringing on new coaches. So they shadow, they see how we do things, then they become an assistant coach. So we kind of put people through the process um, and they just have to reach out to us and start by volunteering and seeing if it's, it's something they want to do. Um, if people are really interested in coaching and wanting to take it further, then they can get certified through a couple different certification programs. Uh, the PMBI and the BICP are two of them. Um, they're both great. Um, and as far as just participating in one of our camps, yeah, you just sign up online and we're super lucky that I think we've been doing this long enough that, um, they fill up pretty quickly, which is, you know, that's, that's how we make a living people coming to our camps and enjoying mountain biking with us. And, um, it's kind of like throwing a party and hoping, hoping your friends show up. Right. Um, and so far we're throwing the party and people are showing up. So that's awesome. And once they show up, I think they kind of get the bug. And um, a lot of our coaches, people who started coaching with us, have started their own coaching businesses. And it's been really cool to see the evolution of the coaching world. Because back in 2010, when I made big balls trying to get more women into mountain biking, there was hardly anywhere you could go to learn mountain biking. Plus, I was surrounded by all these professionals. And um, none of them were giving me sound advice that I could understand. A lot of them had just been doing it their whole lives and really didn't know how to articulate the details that go into mountain biking. And as women, we're different kinds of learners. We like details. That's just kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> and as a woman, I understand that a lot of women are just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get that I'm supposed to just let go or that my bike knows what to do. Sure. I'm hearing that a lot, but I'm not sure what to do with my feet or my hands or should my elbows be out or in or down, you know, like there's a lot that goes into understanding how to even position yourself on a bike, let alone how to deal with braking and bracing and keeping yourself safe. Um, so it's a big, it's a big part of getting involved is wanting to um, and also being curious about the, the deeper understanding between bikes and life and how it all works because mountain biking is actually quite a technical sport. I've had a lot of people say to me back in the day, oh, it's just riding a bike. I'm sure I don't need a lesson, you know, and then a month later I need a lesson. I don't oh, know how I to deal lessons. with roots or rocks or those steep uphill climbs with the tight turns in them. It's like there's technique. And once you learn technique and you can practice how to be balanced on a bike and changing terrain, which is what it's all about, um, the easier it will be for people. What's next for you? Like, where do you see this in 10 years? Do you think you'll still be doing it? Well, I just wrote a children's book. Yes. <laughs> Can you read it? Yeah. Etiquette <laughs> is a big word. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I just want to continue to be a voice for mountain biking. And the kids book is really meant to, to just show this strong, young woman uh who wants to promote education and mountain bikes to the world um, i love writing so i just want to continue to be a voice for this sport as i get older i'm nearing my 50s uh hustling around the country in a van and chucking my body down every mountain bike trail i can find might not be as um appealing into my 50s we'll see uh, but right now i have just boundless energy that i feel like has been uh, cooped up in me uh, until I I found mountain biking in my twenties, and I'm I'm still I'm still letting it all out. So, inspiring women with bikes is something I feel like I I was meant to do, and I'm not sure that everyone gets to say they they found their calling. So, 
I'm going to ride this wave and keep promoting this sport and trying to inspire as many women as I can until I can't. I love it. Where can we buy the book? Oh, the book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and it's all over the internet. Um, it's on our website um, or you can just come to one of my camps and buy it in person. Where, where do you get the most money if we buy it on your website? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's your biggest. <laughs> the cut. ones that I already paid for. Well, <laughs> right. Let's get rid of those. Exactly. F Amazon. I'm glad it's on Amazon because that's amazing for your distribution. But right, but not everybody to... loves supporting Amazon. So, <laughs> well, we want to support you and get you as much money. So I will put a link in our little show notes. So Thanks. if anyone wants to buy the book, we'll put it to your website so that they can buy it. Um, sponsors to thank, people to thank. Kind of your outro. Where you'll be next. Yeah, I mean, sponsors, we have Live Bicycles, SRAM, RockShocks, Component Suspensions, Smith, Glasses and Helmets, G-Form Pads, Wild Rye Clothing, the list kind of goes on, Hydro Flask has been amazing, Muck Off, ooh, that's a new sponsor to keep our bikes nice and clean, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, we have a pretty great list, Picky Bars, which is now part of the Laird Superfoods family, um, that's been exciting. Yeah. So we have a, we have a long list of sponsors. I'm probably forgetting a few, but we're super lucky and really grateful that all of these brands, um, they want to see more women on bikes as well. And that's why they support us. And after being part of the race world and knowing how much they put into supporting, uh, races, um, I'm really proud to work with some of these brands who are really backing, uh, education programs in the industry. So that's really fun. Um, and yeah, I'm headed to Bentonville, Arkansas next, uh, in a couple days, I'll be there coaching there for a week. And then we head back home to our bend Oregon, uh, camps where we have five in six weeks. Whew. So it's game on. That is an undertaking. It's game on. I'm excited. I get to rest in the winter in the mountains of Colorado and then just pin it all summer. And I love it. It's a beautiful thing. And Instagram yeah. is ladies, all ride, all one it word, is. no underscores. I'm sure you can slide in your DMs and eventually she will answer you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I, I'm stoked to talk to you. Yeah, I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate you putting up with my technical difficulties. <laughs> no worries. Who knows? It could be on my end too, but uh, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, that was great. Okay. What'd you guys think? As always, let me know. Send me a DM. Send me who you want to hear on the show. Leave a five-star review. Follow at Ladies All Ride. Females, if you are listening to the show and you're intimidated, reach out to Lindsay on Instagram and she'll get back to you. It's at Ladies All Ride. And have a conversation and go to one of these camps because they are, I'm jealous that I can't go. So that's it. Hug your friends. Hug your family. Call an old friend you haven't talked to in a while because life is short, but it is sweet. I'm your host, Mr. Adam X, and I'll see you tomorrow.